All right, so go open your Bibles to Isaiah 55 this morning. We're going to talk about partnering with parents. We're in a series entitled Home, and this is our fourth one. And look up here, anybody notice these marbles? There's 936 marbles in this. How many believe me? I didn't count them. I did count this one, though, all right? 936 marbles in here. Jason and Axel Christensen counted them, so there's there's 960, uh, 936 in there. That's how many weeks are in your child's life until they're 18 and they leave home. Okay, think about that. This is this is when your child's born. This is how many weeks they have with you till they graduate. 936. Okay, you think wow, it's a lot of weeks. No, it goes by fast. Okay, and then you come to here. There's 52 marbles in here. Okay, 52. Now you say, well, that's a lot. Well, you know, that's not, that's hard. One week go by. Another week. I mean, seriously, how fast do these weeks go by? You want to know how fast? Ask somebody that has a 17-year-old. Or one that just graduated. That last year, I mean, li- literally, went like that. Just be careful. When you come to the altar to get right with God, be careful. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know where that came from. But, but <laughs> the point is, there's only 52 in here. Okay? That's the la- but, but look at this. I mean, it, seriously, kids... Should I dump this one? No, no. Okay, so, all right, so, so get in your mind that it doesn't last long. As you see in the video, it's, it's tough raising children as we talk, when talking about it. It's difficult, uh, and it all starts with you as a parent that, that you need to be on fire for God. If you're going to have, raise your kids to where there's this good, healthy home where, I mean, you know, if you're not on fire with God, it's horrible. It's, it's just difficult. I mean, the, the struggles when you don't have the Lord and his power on your side. But when you're spiritual, walking with God is difficult enough, right? But if you want that, it starts with you loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And then also, you second thing you need is the church stepping beside you and echoing everything you teach as a parent. Am I right? I mean, it seems like kids don't listen to parents like they should. But boy, if somebody else says the same thing... Huh? Yeah, mom, did you know this? And you've been teaching this for years, as we talked about the last time, all right? So this morning, we're going to talk about partnering with you. Now, this is a lengthy message. And so if I get chasing a bunch of rabbits, we'll have to do this in two weeks. But we have nothing coming up. Uh, Next week's a free week. (laughs) So you don't have to come if you don't want to. No, I'm kidding. Uh, So we may, may literally carry this over till next week, okay? Just depends on how long um, this message goes. H- have you ever noticed, seriously, have you ever noticed that there's no license that you have to have to raise a child? You have to have a license for marriage. You have to have a license to drive. I mean, is there anything more important than raising kids? Um, um, I was trying to think last night. Uh, I think I was 19 when my oldest son, Jason, was born. And it's like, you really trust me with, this is a live human being. Do you trust me? I'm, I'm 19. I can't even take care of my dog. 
and you're going to let me go home with this 19... I mean, seriously. I mean, the only, the only thing I had going for me, it was my wife. Amen? Yeah, my dogs, I, I, I mean, how many dogs... And, and, you know, we had a dysfunctional family, of course, but I don't know how many dogs of mine died. Seriously, I'm, no joking. I mean, we, I mean, I remember Indianapolis, Indiana, walking out the back door, uh, two foot of snow, and Blackie was there. Froze. And it bre- breaks your heart, doesn't it? Okay, I walk out. <laughs> some laughing, some are saying, <laughs> I'm serious. This is how, you, you walk out, and the door hits something so hard, and it's your dog i mean how in the now don't lose you here all right hang on it's just part of my childhood just that how how it flies okay so so but they're giving me a live human being you know that's that's scary stuff all right but i had judy praise the lord so look at isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 look at the screen here and let's let's just look at this okay it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God talking to us. He said, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. All right. Then he goes on. He says, for as the, high, the heavens are higher than the earth, so are, my, so are my ways. Now, underline that ways. My ways, then your ways, and my thoughts, your thoughts. So here's what I want you to understand on the onset of the message. Man's ways are different from God. Can I hear an amen? They're not the same. All right? So, the way men believe and the way they look at marriage, the way they look at children, are different than the way God looks at them. And the way God teaches marriage. Now, God has a belief on marriage and He has a way about marriage, but men philosophy keeps changing doesn't it on marriage well guess what it keeps changing on raising children as well god's god his ways have never changed in raising children he said this is how you raise children and men and their philosophy and their teaching and the culture see the culture follows what's popular and so everybody buys into it but god has never changed in his idea and his teaching of raising kids. So why, since men's philosophy and men's ideas keep changing, why do we, as Christians, buy into the teaching that men teach on how to raise children? Why do we do that when God has set his standard and his standard works? Why do we keep buying into all these philosophies? Let me just give you an example of the changing. In the early 17th or 20th century, John Watson. How many know John Watson? You guys that are teacher, readers, you understand. He taught this. A rigid, authoritarian parenting. Okay? A child is not to be cuddled. A child is not to be loved because he feared and, and it bought into, <laughs> the society bought into it, is because they were afraid the child was going to be too dependent on the parents. That was their philosophy. Now, you and me say, huh? Right? Have you ever looked at a picture of your great-grandparents? What's the one underlining thing you see in those pictures? They're like... Seriously? Why? (laughs) Today you say, cheese! 
you know, then it's like, got to get your picture face on. My, grand, great, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, all were like that, all right? That was a rigid, that was basically being raised under generals, all right? And everybody bought, this, this generation bought into that, and it produced outward conformity, but major inward hostility, all right? How about Spock, Benjamin Spock, 50s to the 60s, this, this teaching came out in the book, Love your children and never let them get frustrated. That was disaster, right? Okay, and we have some of those people here today that was raised like that, right? I never, I mean, I mean, there's only two of us? How many, your parents just didn't spank you? Anybody like that? Just once in a while, yeah. My, my, my mom said, when I was 12 years old, just do whatever you want. Whenever you want, how long? I mean, it just doesn't matter. I mean, seriously, that's that. Am I that old? You guys don't remember that? Okay, seven days and eight. Let's go on. Okay, I'm getting. But what that produced in me, and I'm hoping in the, the, that I'm not the only one. It produced because there's no boundaries. It produced a huge insecurity issue. Because I never thought my mom loved me, even though she says, "Well, I love you. You can do whatever you want." That wasn't the reality of what I received from her, okay? She didn't love me. That's why she just let me do whatever I want. And then, of course, the 70s and 80s, you have Eric Byrne. And he had, of course, the philosophy. And, of course, everybody bought into that situation ethics. There is no absolutes. Nothing's right or wrong. It, it, it produced massive confusion. So, now we could keep going, but you get the idea. Men's philosophy on raising children change from culture to culture, change from whatever somebody comes up with and people start buying into it, then the rest of society buys into that. Why would we do that? When God's word, his ways are the same and never changes. Go to Deuteronomy. We're going to look at this. Deuteronomy chapter six. Now again, this is our foundation of our text from the beginning. Deuteronomy and he lays out for us. Now, let me set the background. Deuteronomy, they just came out, the children of Israel just came out of Egypt. And God is laying down some principles of how he's going to father his children. Now, the way he fathers his children is the way that we should fa- raise our children. Can I, everybody understand what I'm saying? The way God has laid down and the way he treats the forgiveness and the love and, and, and the obedience, all, the, all of that, he says, I want you to mimic me. And that's all the way through the Bible. But here we have four teachings in the Bible. And I really want to get into that this morning. Look at verse one. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, so I'm at Moses, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons. Okay, so basically he's saying, I'm giving you these teachings and I want you to obey them. I want you to follow them. But he says, but first of all, you have to what? Fear the Lord. Now, our generation doesn't like that word, right? We don't like a fear. So, so in the Hebrew, dive down there. 
to make it more comfortable for us. It means reverence. It's this deep respect. Okay? It's this deep respect. That's what fear means. So the Lord wanted the children of Israel to fear him or to deeply respect him so they would obey him. Now, what is our... Look at your notes there and fill this in there. What is our ultimate goal, the underlining goal of raising our... What do we want, what do we want the end product of our children to be? I mean, what's, what's the goal? Now, most of us say happiness, right? Fill that, fill that in your blank there. Happiness. I mean, is that really what we want? I mean, yeah, we all want happy kids. We want healthy, happy children, right? You read that all the time. Healthy, happy children. Healthy, happy children. But do we really want, we want healthy, of course, but do we want, is that our underlining goal? How, how do you make a child happy? You give them everything they want. When they want it, the moment they want it, am I right? What happens when you don't? I mean, from the very beginning, they're hungry. They're wet. What do they do? I mean, it's hard. Now, it's easy with grandkids, right? You make sure you're off and you make sure that you spoil them rotten, okay? You want to make those grandkids happy. So when they're sad, they go home, right? They're, they're, here you go, all right? So happiness is, is really shouldn't be a consideration because it's impossible. They're constantly wanting something and it depends. How about comfortable? Do we, do we want our children to be comfortable? Write that in there. Is that our underlining goal? To be comfortable. Well, you sure can't be comfortable in the seats that you have for your children, right? That's pretty difficult. Those, uh, what do you call those, those restraints that you put your children in? Car seats, right? You know what my dad said? Fleener, or my mom? I want to get in the back seat. Go right ahead. Get in the window. How many slept in the back window on those drives? We're okay. It never destroyed us, all right? I'd get in the middle council. I'd grab the wheel, okay? How many did that? And then, of course, if you did too much, what happened? Boom, right? All right? I mean, I'm alive. Barely, but I'm alive, all right? Not comfortable. That, that, how, how about third? So right comfortable. How about friends? How, many, how about friendship? You want your children to be your best friends. Okay, is that really what we want? So I want to I want to show you something here. We're going to look at we're going to go to uh, Hebrews or excuse me Matt, Matthew ten thirty seven and thirty eight. Okay, I want you to consider this as your ultimate goal, and that is that your child their priority in life is Jesus. Okay, you shift from happiness, you shift, shift from being comfortable and all the things the world says, and you shift to this is my goal, that Jesus is his or her priority. Let's look at these verses. Okay, do we have them? <clears throat> Here we go. Whosoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Notice the mother and father. We're talking about your children. Oh, there's no way. Everything that goes on, we're pointing them to the Lord. And I want to show you what happens when you have him. You, you, you constantly are talking about your kids. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 we talked about in the very beginning, the very first message? Okay, teach your children when you get up, 
when you walk, when you sit down to relax, and when you lie down the bed. I mean, you're constantly talking about Jesus. When you do that, this, you're following this, you're worthy of me then. You're constantly pointing your children to Jesus so that he becomes more important than mom. Does that scare you? More important than dad. All right? And then he says, he says son and daughter is not worthy of me. And he keeps on going in the next verse. Go to Ephesians for me, chapter 5. I want you to see something here, okay? We're going to do a little Bible study. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. Okay, I don't believe we have this on the screen. Do we have that? Okay. Look, it says verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, wherein it's excess or for debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled means controlled. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying in verse 18, I don't want you to be drunk, but like a drunk person is filled and controlled by the what? The wine. I want you to be controlled by the what? Spirit. And that, of course, is, is when you surrender control of the Holy Spirit. Now, that, listen, that means that Jesus is a priority. Everybody see that? He's a priority. Now, follow me as I go down through these verses. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. So when Jesus is your priority, what happens is you're going around and you're singing to people out. You're singing about the Lord to people. Okay. I mean, there's just a song that's overflowing. First of all, it's on the inside and you're singing and making melody to the Lord and it's overflowing and it's going outward. What do, what do, you, what do we call that when you see a person kind of whistling, walking down the street or singing or skipping? Whistling and singing. What do you say? I, I mean, yeah, they might be crazy, but what do you say when that, I mean, what do you think of? They're happy. So here, here's the thought, here's the thing. Oh, way on later, Paul, Paul pins down for us that if Jesus is the priority of your child, follow, he will be happy. Everybody see that? I mean, so all of a sudden, well, I want a happy child. Yes, we all want a happy child. And if you're not happy, I'm going to make you happy. Anybody ever do that? If you're not going to smile, I'm going to put a smile on that face. Yeah, how, how many of you have ever done that? Is this just me? Smile. And there, there's only a couple of us. Yeah, you're just afraid, aren't you? Yeah, now hands are going up and down. Yeah. You be happier, I'll give you something to be happy about. All right, so, so let's go on. All right. When Jesus is the priority, and that's, of course, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's the priority, there's going to be happiness. But let's, let's keep on trucking. He says in verse uh, 22, wives, and we talked about this last week, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, I know you love this verse, as to the Lord. And then it says, husbands is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, the body, the Savior. Then look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. Okay, so what we have here is when Jesus is the priority. Let's just say you you keep pointing your children to the Lord. And when they get adult, what happens? He is their priority. Notice what happens in the family. It's a comfortable family. What do I mean by that? I'm just simply saying that all of a sudden the kids feel insecure 
because mom and dad literally love each other. And not that they just love each other. Oh, yeah, I know mom loves dad. But literally, he's living for her and she's living for him. That only happens when Jesus is first. When Jesus is priority in your life, all of a sudden, then they're comfortable. They're secure because they know they go to school and they have all these families breaking up, but they come home and they see that, man, their security. Mom and dad aren't going to get a divorce. Everybody see this where I'm going to? That's not all. Let's go down to chapter six. Look at verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the context of a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? And it's fantastic. A person that has Jesus as a priority, number one. All right? There's joy. Number two, he gets along with people. He's not one of these guys I saw this morning. There's this little car in front of me that kind of swooped over and swooped back in the truck right here, a red truck, camper on it camper shell, honk his horn, and then just slowed down right beside and kept giving that old lady dirty looks. All right? It says submitting one to another, verse 22. So what happens is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and He's priority, man, you're living for other people. That, that's what He's saying here. When Jesus... So, so all of a sudden you have this kid who's happy and He's literally living and enjoying his neighbors and of course he has this great marriage and what happened fourthly his children are obeying okay that's what happens when jesus is a priority in our life so when you make your kids a priority then all of a sudden these wonderful things are, are when you make jesus and your kid follows into that he buys into that and he's the priority not you not mom not education not job not money but jesus because we we are buying into the philosophy of raising children that all these other things are vital and they're more important than anything. How about sports? Oh, I can't come to church on Sunday morning because I, my kid has a softball game. Or in, in, in uh, uh, Norfolk, at my last church, it was a soccer tournament. Nobody plays soccer here, right? I mean, what is soccer anyway, right? How, seriously, how many, how many go to soccer games? But you're not on Sunday because you're here. Amen. All right. So, so a lot of people would go to these. I mean, your priority for your children can be that. It can be all these sports. I and mean, you're running ragged trying to get them. And you have to be on time. But when it comes to church, right? We've got we to gotta pull back a little bit. I'm not saying we can't do those things. My kid did that all the time. I was always following him around basketball and football. All right. But we've got to have our priorities. Our kids need to know. Who's number one so that they can buy into that? All right. So just think about, consider Jesus as that, un, that, that, that underlining goal that you want for his life or her life. Jesus, the priority, not education, not the church necessarily, not mom and dad, but a relationship with him. Because when you have a relationship with him, all of these wonderful things take place. Now. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Let's get into the first point. <laughs> Everybody all right? You're still here? All right. We're almost done. We've got five minutes left. No. All right. So first point, fear. I talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Okay, fear. All right. Means reverence, deep respect. All right. Now, what Jesus is saying, he wants the Israelites to know He's God, and they are what? 
not. Okay? He wants the children of Israel to understand that he's the father and he knows what's best for them and, and, and they do not. They, they can't see tomorrow. They can't see the next moment even. And, and, and so Jesus is saying, God is saying that we need to have our kids, our goal for them should be that they deeply respect us as parents. Our kids need to know that we are the parent. I know that's a hard concept to, to understand because we're living in a day. Who's the boss of the family? That little two-year-old, that little five-year-old. Am I right or am I wrong? How, how, many, how many look around in, in, the, in the stores, in the places, the restaurants, and who's the boss? The child, all right? That's the day in which we live in. Well, Jesus wants us to understand that when you're raising kids, they need to know you're the boss, all right? You're the father, they are not. You're the mother, they are not. Now, kids, kids are smart. They buy into this. Have you ever noticed that? This is when they start getting it. And this is, this is fun. When they have something you want to take away. And when it starts registering that you're the dad and they're not, when you go to try and take it away, what do they do? They take off running. Anybody have kids like that? At that one stage, when they, you say, give me that butcher knife now, son. And what do they do? They don't want you to take away. So they're starting to get it, and it's fun. So they take off running with this butcher knife. And you're chasing them. And the longer you chase them, the more angry you get. Am, am I right? I mean, it's like that old poodle I used to have. I hate poodles because of that. I mean, I had this poodle name. What was the poodle's name? Kippy? Okay. Little bitty poodle. Just the re- most rebellious. It almost acts like a cat. You know? Almost acted like a cat. This rebellious. But, but the point is, when they run, man, it, it's like, come here. And they're just going, and just come here, and you're chasing them. By the time you get them, you want to change their name to I- Isaac. You know, you want to sacrifice them on the altar. All right, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right. But that's a fun time. When they start getting this stuff, they need to understand that you are the boss. I mean, Jason, uh, and I don't mean that disrespectful, as you're going to see, but this is the foundation. Listen, this is the foundation for what we're going to get in that next, and that's obedience. I know we're running out of time, but this is the foundation. And God starts off with it first here. Then he goes to obedience then he goes to blessing, and then he goes to love. I mean, it's, it's just powerful. God's ways never change. But he starts right here. And I know it's difficult for us to swallow because we don't like that word fear, but just change that word to deep respect. We like that. Okay. My son, my, my oldest son, when, he, when he's about, when I, I took him out of the crib, you know, with the bars on it, you know, with that, that, that they're scarred for life because they're in jail. You know, I, I took that mattress and I made a little bed that he could get up and down on. Mistake. Okay, so how do you keep that boy in bed? I'm sleeping and all of a sudden this little, little breathing, breathing right in my face, you know. Daddy. You know, so you put him back in bed. There you go, then you go, Daddy. He's right there again. Every night. I'm the dad, right? I could make him stay in bed, couldn't I? I could duct tape him. And nobody would ever know. 
All right, I could tie this kid. You know, so we, we went through this for a while, and finally I realized, I'm the dad. You know, get in bed. And I put him in bed. I'd walk around. That kid's smart. I mean, kids at, at that age are smarter than we think. You go around the corner, he thinks you're in bed. He waits a little bit. Then, you pick him up, you put him in bed. You go around the corner. I mean, I, I kid you not, I bet, I bet for a week, weeks, okay, weeks, I did that. You say, but man, that's, you're losing sleep. I'm the dad. This isn't for me. I'm in this for him. Right? I'm in this for him. So it doesn't matter if I step a half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half. You just keep doing it. You keep doing it until he gets it. I mean, the worst thing you do is duct tape him. Seriously, don't do that. All right? Just stay at the door and put him back in bed and just keep doing it until finally he says, oh, I'm tired of this. I mean, he's a year and a half. I mean, and then, of course, Susie on the way home from, from Susie comes home. You're, on, you're in the car and Susie sees Brahms ice cream, right? How many are with me? My kids, it was the big M at McDonald's. Kids see that, it was like over. Susie's in the back seat and she's, ice cream, I want ice cream, I want ice cream. You know, is that the right pitch? Ice cream, ice cream, I want snack, I want snack, let's go get some ice cream. And you say, no, we got snacks at home, we'll get snacks like we always do at home. I want snacks, I want snacks. And they will not. They throw a fit in the back seat. Am I like that? Okay. When you get home, you don't, don't pull the, you saw the video, don't pull the car over. I'm going to beat you. You know? How many have done that before? <laughs> I've done that. Okay. I mean, we're the parent. Okay. We need to, res- we need to respond, not react. All right. But when you get home, this, I mean, it's simple. You get home, you get snacks out for the other kids, you start eating snacks, little Susie comes in, Mommy, where's my snack? Uh, opportunity, ding, 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 ding. Well, honey, you disrespected me in the car the way you talked to me, and therefore you don't get a snack. Of course, what are they going to do? They're going to throw off it again. It's okay. So next time, the same thing happens. Ice cream, ice cream. Then the same thing happens sooner or later. Guess what? The light's going to come on. And usually it's sooner because they want their snacks. Amen? That's just the way Susie is. All right? So fear. Our, 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 I'm not going to call it fear. Respect. God starts with respect in raising kids. All right? Number two. Fear or respect leads to obedience if a child respects the parent they will obey let's take he goes on that in verse two and three but let's talk about the way jesus dealt with the children of israel okay follow these steps i wrote them down okay rules established god established the rules with israel he said this is what i want you to do secondly consequences given okay if you do this if you worship other idols if you do these kind of things this is what's going to happen thirdly the children of israel were okay for a while weren't they they were obedient for a while 
Then they rebelled. God stepped in and applied the consequences. And then Israel repented. All through the Old Testament, we see that. Okay? God says, this is what I want you to do. Okay? And he said, if you don't do these, these are the consequences. Okay? Israel's great for a while. Then they rebelled. Then there was consequences that God brought about, which usually bondage and trouble and all kinds of things. And then, of course, Israel repented. That's six steps. And over and over and over and over, God did it to the children of Israel. He, he bailed them out every single time. But this was the process. And that's what God wants us to do with our children. You say, well, man, that's, that's, that is like monotonous. That's raising children. Is it not? Son, this is the rule. And if you break it, this is the consequence. Okay? Simple as that. You don't have to get angry. This is the consequences. And your children follow that for a while. But then they get this little rebellion in them, right? Right? I mean, just like you and me with the Lord, right? Everybody following? Okay? So and then the consequences take... God brings about, these are the consequences, and then Israel repents. Your child will do the same. So you just keep going through this. They're 18 years at home. And again, you respond and not react. Here's response. My wife, six children around the table for supper, our lunch, our breakfast, glass of milk. What's going to happen? Inevitably, milk is going to fly. Now, you can react. You can jump up from the table. I told you to sit in that seat. Next time, I'm going to belt you to that seat. I'm just going to strap you in. All right? You can react like that. How many times do I go through this? I'm tired of cleaning up milk. You can react or you can respond and say, uh, Jason, the towel is in the drawer. Go get the towel and wipe this up, will you? So your kids can learn failure. And then they can get up and go on. How many Christians fall flat on their face and while they're down there, oh, I'm a, such a horrible person. I just, I just don't. This is a process. All of these things, the way God treats us, can be applied to our lives. Get up. It's just milk. It's get up. It's just milk. Oh, somebody at school doesn't like you. It's just milk. They're being idiots. It's just milk. It's no big deal. Get up. Go on with life. Teaching this at a young, young age. How about when you're, your kid's at home? Daddy, I want a pony. Nine-year-old boy, I want a pony. Kid, we live in an apartment. I don't care. I want a pony. Right? I want a pony. Mommy, can I have a pony? Daddy, can I have a pony? And you get tired. I want a pony. Do I get a pony? I want to ask Grandpa for a pony. Can I have a pony? You, you, can, you, can, you can easily deal with it. They say, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh, wouldn't that be great? I mean, all the kids going to school on the bus, and you get to ride your pony? You get to wave to kids on the bus? You're waving, and you're getting to ride. And he's, yeah. You get, then you, you, you tie it up at the bike rack, and, and you tie it up where you can see it out the window, right? Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be a blast. And then here comes, you know, it's time to, you know, to go out to recess. Well, all the kids go out to recess, but you can't now. You've got to go take care of that pony. You've got to feed your pony. So you can't go to recess, right? You go out there and feed your pony. Okay, I'll go feed my pony. 
So you can't go to recess. So, so then, of course, you go back in. Then it's lunchtime. Well, guess what? They're all going to go lunch and they're going to play. But you, yeah, I mean, you got this pony. You fed it. Guess what you got to do? You got to get the pooper scooper because they're not going to like that. The kids will run through that. You got to go out there and you got to clean this stuff up. I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, how many kids want to do that? So you always want your kid to talk to you. You got a 15 year old, right? All right. So the pony, everybody understand the pony. It's, 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 I mean, we could say, hey, kid, you're an idiot. I don't know what you're thinking. You're not thinking. Well, they're, they're nine. They're just kids. So you want your kids to talk to you. So you get, you talk. I mean, I mean, we can reason. This is what God says. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. How many of us first get married? And I, I'm guilty. I'm 19 years old. I, I work at this place called. I can't see that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I work at this place called Metal Spinning or G, uh, Dixie Deacon's Metal Spinning. And the guy says, man, I want you to build a new house, and I'm going to give you these this two acres across the street, and I want you to build a house back there. I'm 19. So what am I going to say? Yeah, yeah, I want that pony. I want that pony. Right? I mean, the, the payment is only $230, including insurance and taxes. Oh, what's the deal? So I'm up here in debt. Oh, I don't have no furniture for that house. But I got my pony. Right? Oh, my car just broke down, and I had a yellow 19, canary yellow 1972 Nova. All right? I wish I'd go into detail, but it was cool. So I traded in for a station wagon, a brand new station wagon. My point is, I'm just getting in debt like this, but I got my pony. I'm 19. All right? So I got my pony. Anybody think the same thing I'm thinking? He's crazy. Yeah. So God just says, Flanner, come here. Let's reason together because I want you to go into ministry. What? I got a whole different plan for you. You're not going to buy that business and you're not going to make all those millions. You're going into ministry where you're going to be broken. People aren't going to like you. That's what I want for you. <laughs> okay. Okay. We want our kids. So, so then your kid, your 15-year-old kid comes, Dad, I want this Corvette, right? I want this Corvette. We're still talking about obedience, and we're not going to finish it. This is my last. So, so instead of saying, kid, let me, let me show you what the, what the Internet, what the phone's telling you about how many people, teenagers, die in Corvettes. Fast cars. Let me just show you the statistics. Let me just show you the statistics of when you have friends in a car and how it just rises that you're going to die in a car. Why don't you just say, hey, man, oh, I love Corvettes. I mean, a 15-year-old, you want them to talk because they're not talking much, right? So this is an opportunity. Man, I like the Corvette with the four backlights. Oh, I love the 60s. And then, of course, the Stingrays with all the curves on those, those, those Corvettes with the curves. Oh, 1970s up to like 83. Oh. And then, of course, the new Corvettes, kid. Have you seen those? You get on, you get on your phone. Look at it. Oh, man. Just fantastic. How many have seen the new Corvettes? You ever seen anything like it? I want one. I want one. But I've been through the pony and back. I don't want another pony, right? The point is, it's, it's, we don't have to create rebellion in our child's heart. We don't have to set them up for failure by, by when they ask something, jumping down their throats over these issues. <laughs> I did that 
with a couple of my oldest kids. They were my, what do you call them? Guinea pigs. All right, sad to say, Tim, you're one of them. Uh, Jason was the other, but he's not here. He's in rebellion for moving down here. God wants him here, but he, he's not having Springfield. Probably because of the way I raised him, right? No, I'm kidding. All right, so, so we have to set the standard, and I'm almost done here. We have to set the standard of respect. Get our kids to respect us so that they will obey They will obey us and look at us as the father and they're the child. Like we look at God the father and we are his children. Then what we're going to see next week is blessing and unconditional love. We're going to dive into that because listen, it all starts with us understanding that God is God and we are not. It all starts with our children not running our lives. We are the parent. Now, you say this message seems kind of simple, but it is powerful because it's God's standard of raising children. It's God's standard. Get the kids somehow to understand that you're the dad and they are not. Fear, respect, deep respect that there's consequences for disobeying mom and dad. And, and, and really, I explain that it's not this this sergeant's home later on next week so don't say i'm not coming next week because i don't want to hear this harsh parent it's not if anybody knows my kids that's not the way especially if they treat the grandkids that way i'm all down their throats amen we believe in this love but it's also they gotta they gotta have respect all right let's pray father we just come to you this morning we just thank you so much for the word of god god you have set the standard the way of raising our kids. Help us not to go to the world to find out how to do it. Help us to look at your word and your word only and apply the scriptures to our lives. And not these books and this doctor because they were successful. It could be that they just had mild children. God, I just pray that you'd help us to obey your word, especially in this very important deal of raising our kids. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name.